0: Father God, we just lift up Russell and his wife right now. And we ask, Father God, that you would come and you would pour out your Holy Spirit. You would save her soul, that she would know that you alone saves. And Lord, that she needs you, Lord Jesus. We just ask, Lord, not only would you save her, but we ask, Lord, that you'd make her one with her husband. And you would use them as a powerful ministry team for your name and for your kingdom's sake within the refugees and we ask all of this in the mighty name of Jesus amen amen if you would like to turn to the book of 1 Samuel and I'm going to read the passage my husband will preach from and it is 1 Samuel chapter 30 1 Samuel chapter 30 Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinam, the Jezreelites, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David so David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. And turn around and say to your neighbor, You shall surely recover all. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I... Just one sentence, that's all. Just one sentence, that's it. let have a party. Okay, I believe in the gospel of recoverability, and we're going to talk about that today. And Father God, I just pray for every person who, Father, we know that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And Father God, you're a miracle-working God. And Father, from this word, let there be recoverability. Let there be a spirit of recoverability be released in this place. Let marriage be recovered. Let health be recovered. Let finances be recovered. Let businesses be recovered. Father God, you are the God of the comeback. Father God, we declare it over the people today. Comebacks in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, I just was reminded, you know, um, God has opened a door into this refugee camp and you can't get in there. The UN doesn't allow people in there And the people are saying, I'm the only evangelist they know from outside. There are churches in there from outside that's allowed to come and preach. It's just a miraculous open door. But listen to this. God reminded me, I'm thinking like, how have I got this privilege? God reminded me the very first ministry I did. I was a a young pastor in Mossman. And this guy turned up at the church. He was an Iranian. And he was a refugee and he had nowhere to go. And I said, you can come and live with me. He came and he recovered at my expense, became my best man. (laughs) That's why God opened the door. (laughs) You reap what you sow. Hallelujah. So here it is. We're going to talk about David today, King David. And David is a picture of a kingdom man. That's why Jesus comes from not the seed of Joseph. He is the seed of David. So he is a picture of a kingdom man. And this is a time in David's uh, life where, to backtrack, God had made David a promise that he would be king. And David knew he'd been anointed for that. But sometimes we don't realize, it's like Joseph, when you get your word, when you get your dream, when God gives you your promise, there is a time of preparation between promise and fulfillment. And David was living because there has to be a time of preparation. Otherwise, you will... You will not be able to contain. Your character won't be able to carry and contain what God is giving you. So David's in this season of preparation. And in this time, God is he's developing him through, through uh, suffering. He's developing him through going through a wilderness. He's living in the cave of Adullam, And Saul's trying to kill him. So he's got this promise. And Saul is after him. And he's trying to kill David and he's sending his man out to kill David. But God is supernaturally protecting David. So there's a, there's a covering over a kingdom man's life. The, the devil cannot take your life if you're a kingdom person until God says he can take him. And so God, David is being protected. And every time Saul comes for him, you can read it in the scripture yourself, something happens and, and Saul can't get him. But there comes a time, the second time Saul comes to kill David. David wrote the, the, the psalm, you know, Psalm 23, we all know. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you're and your staff comfort me. So he's saying, I've walked through the place where I nearly died, but I felt God's comfort, his presence with me. And same man wrote the, the scriptures many of the afflictions of the righteous, but out of them all God delivers them. So David is being tested, he's being pursued, but God keeps protecting him and delivering him from every attempt on his life. But you know, he's a human being. And because he was living in that place between promise and fulfillment, that frustrating place of development, and the enemies after him all the time... In twenty-seven, chapter 27, it says, And David said in his heart, Now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than I should speedily escape to the lands of the Philistines. So David went and l- dwelt in the land of the Philistines, which is incredible because when we first meet David, he kills the champion of the Philistines, Goliath. So he goes to war against the Philistines, and they... they uh, are losing thousands of people in battle to him. They are the lifelong enemies of Israel, and David finds himself living there. He goes over living with the enemy. And you know, this is a picture of someone getting out of the will of God because in chapter 22, the prophet Gad said to David, Do not stay in the stronghold, depart and go to the land of Judah. So he was supposed to be, the word God gave him was, you be in Judah. And here he is, out of the will of God with the Philistines. And he ends up in this place called Ziklag. And Ziklag represents a place where you are, you've got yourself, even though you're a believer, you're out of the will of God. You're out of the will of God, and you're, out of the, you're just in the wrong place. You're in the wrong place geographically. You're in the wrong place with God, even though you're a child of God. And David's in this place, and the scriptures say he, he, he was serving this king called Ashish, and David, to support all his troops, would go out raiding. And because he didn't want to raid Israel... He would tell the king, I'm going north to raid Israel. But he was really going south. And he was raiding uh, the allies of the Philistines. And the king didn't know this. And, and so he, he, he's doing this. But when he comes back, he's got to lie to the king. He's got to deceive the king. And not only that, he's, he's, he's killing everybody he goes to raid. He kills the women that you leaves no one because he's got to cover his tracks. So this is a picture of someone who's come to a place where they're not supposed to be and now they're living in lies and they're being crafty, they're having to be deceitful and they're out of the will of God. And the way he got there is that, you know, after Saul tried to kill him the second time, he had this promise but he became despondent. And you can't come under despondency. If you come under despondency, it'll take you into a place you're never supposed to be. You can't be led by your emotions. So he was led. He got despondent. This kingdom man, he got despondent. And his circumstances just said, I got to get out of here. And so, uh, you know, When you're despondent, the great temptation, this is what David did, had this promise. But when you become despondent, your mind takes over and your emotions takes over. And so he then thought, he just leaned on his own human wisdom and said, how am I going to get out of this? I'll go over to the Philistines and make myself famous over there. and Somehow it'll all work out. This is why the Bible says it's an evil thing to lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. But here is a time where David, he became despondent. He leaned on his human wisdom. And he got completely out of the will of God. And he convinced himself it's all okay because that's what we do. That's what we do. We convince ourselves, even though we're out of the will of God, it's all okay and somehow it's all going to work out. So here's David, out of the will of God, in a place he's not supposed to be, living in a place where he's surviving by lying, deceit, and being crafty. And when you're in that place, God loves you so much that he's going to shake you out of that place. He's going to shake, and he needs to shake you out of that, because he needs to shake you out of the error. And he needs to teach you to shake you out of that error, to get you back back in the place you're supposed to go. And in the same time, he teaches you to abhor lies, deceit, and compromise. Because that's what Ziklag represents. Living in a a, a place of deception where we convince ourselves it's okay, but we're, we're, we're scheming. And God says, when my children get like that, I discipline them. So David comes back and he comes back. He's supposed to go to this battle. Ashish asked him to go to a battle against Israel. And praise God, God delivered him from that. Otherwise, he would have had to live with the consequence of that on his conscience his whole life. But God spared him of that. But he didn't spare him of the consequences of his scheming and his lying and deceiving the lifestyle that he got him into. God says you're going to face the consequences of that so that you will abhor all that scheming and lying. And so he comes back and his children are gone. His wife is gone. Everything is gone. All his belongings and his house is on fire. And, and this is a, a ziklag. And this is the thing I'll say. If you're a child of God, and you get out of the will of God, God will always burn your Ziklag. <laughs> he loves you. He'll burn your Ziklag. He'll, he'll make it fail. He'll make you go through those consequences to get you back to himself. Because what happened with, with, with this is... The, when Ziklag burnt, this drove David back to God. And then he ended up hating the deceiving and the compromises that he got into—he will burn your ziklag because he loves you. So David's there, and everything is gone. Everything is taken. He's lost everything, and he's men, who he's got these mighty men who are, have come to David. They came to David when he was living in the came of Adullam and they were all reprobates they were in debt they were malcontents they were just the kind of the dregs dissatisfied with what was going on religiously with Saul so they came to David and David trained these men and took this ragtag bunch and turned them into what the bible calls David's mighty men and so he'd made them everything they were they became famous raiders and they're like the SAS of their day. They were just, they just didn't lose battles. They were skilled warriors. And David was the most skillful, but they were ruthless. And these men, when they get back and they look at everything's burned, everything's taken, everything's lost, it says the people in verse 6 spoke of stoning David. So, you know what ziklag represents? It represents you've been out of the will of God. It represents you've been in a place of compromise and deceit. But it also represents your very worst day of your life. And I believe everyone is going to have a ziklag one day. The very worst day of your life where stuff happens that you just can't believe. And one thing, oh, it's not just the wife and the kids, it's the, all the materials are gone, all the money's gone, the business is burnt down, the house is... Bur- this is the worst day of your life where the enemy, because the enemy, Satan, we're told in John 10, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy, he's done, his worst against you. But this is, the, this is the good news. It is God's will... That all human loss for his children is recoverable. Now, Now you may not, sometimes if people die, you may not get everything back. But he will replace what you've lost. All human loss is recoverable. That's the will of God. This is the gospel of recoverability. And so we've got to see what, what this, this man of God who got out of the will of God, the, one th- the great thing is the passage ends with him recovering everything. Everything the enemy came to steal, he, he actually not only got it back, he got it back and more. He got back spoil. And this is the will of God. That's why you and I are called more than conquerors. What, you, what you've lost... God wants to to restore it to you. What the enemy steals from you, God wants you to recover. It could be the love in your marriage. It could be a child who's gone away. It could be your business. It could be a lot of things. But there is a gospel of recoverability for God's people. And so how did David get it back? He comes back and the Bible says that, first of all, they wept. They came back. And they lifted up their voices and they wept until they had no more power to weep in verse 4. I've heard preaching say that, a kind of word faith preaching that says that if you're a person of faith, if you're a spiritual person, you're not emotional. And I don't know where that comes from. Because Abraham stood at the grave of his wife and he wept. Joseph wept when he was reunion with his brothers. These are kingdom people. David wept, Jesus wept at the, the grave of Lazarus. And Paul was, he says, I preached through tears. So that, that, that kind of talking that, that spiritual people are not emotional, that somehow the realm of the spirit takes you above the realm of the emotions is a nonsense. David wept. And when you've lost everything, it is human and it's okay to weep. But it's how you weep that makes a difference. The Bible says... In Psalm 30, verse 5, weeping has a season. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. Now, the people in, in uh, Numbers chapter 11, I think it is, verse 10, they angered God because they wept in unbelief. And there's a, there's a weeping that, that is, comes out of self-pity and doesn't see any hope in the future, and we just weep like that, and God's not pleased with it. Because the Bible says weeping, it only endures for the night. There is joy coming in the morning. So it's okay to weep when you've lost everything. It's human to weep. It's human to shed tears. But those tears have got to be shed in the expectancy that this is not all there is. That there is another tomorrow. There is another season of joy beyond this. So David weeps. But he weeps knowing that joy will return. And then while he's weeping, his men are whispering how we're going to stone him. And see, these men have lost everything. But they respond in an unkingdom way. Some people, when you put pressure on them, they're all right while things are good, but you put pressure on people. And when things are taken away, the first instinct is... I've got to blame somebody. I've got to blame somebody for my loss. <coughs> to recover everything, you've got to avoid that. David, he refused to blame others and he refused to get bitter. Because if you blame others, you get bitter. And Hebrews 12 says, A bitter root, beware lest the bitter root rise up and defile others. Once you, once you start blaming people and get bitter, you don't recover, but you defile your home, you defile your marriage. Bitterness defiles everything. So he refused to blame others, and I believe David knew deep down when they're trying to stone him, he says, We're here because of my compromise. I'm here. I'm not blaming anybody else. But I've got out of the will of God, somewhere deep down. I know I got detached from God. I knew I got distant from God. I knew I was living in a place where I wasn't telling the truth. Or I was compromising every day. He says, that's why I'm here. But not only that, it says that when you're in that place where it's the worst day of your life, you lost everything key verse here is when they were strengthened when they were stoning talking of stoning him it says in verse 6 but david strengthened himself in the lord his god this is really key is to be able to when you're weak when you're in that position of weakness like david was to be able to draw strength not from yourself because you haven't got any in you but to draw strength from God. And the way David did that was that, first of all, you've got to get into the presence of God. You've got to get, when you're in that place, you, there's no use trying to do any action. There's no use trying to do things. You've, when you're weak and you're emotionally, we've got to get into the presence of God. And you've got to get your spirit refreshed. So David, he called for Abiathar, the priest. And that means that he came and he ministered. And he, he, he allowed himself to be refreshed and strengthened after he'd had a big emotional blow, because that's what you've got to do. The Bible says, you know, when we turn aside in our weakness and we seek the presence of God, there comes a time where the Holy Spirit comes into our private prayer closet and in His presence is fullness of joy, and the joy of the Lord is your strength. So strength starts to be poured back into your weakness. But it only comes when you turn aside. You get away from the people. You get away from the criticism. You get away from the phone. You get into the presence of God where there's fullness of joy. And then the joy of the Lord is your strength. And David was able to draw on the Word of God. He was able to draw on the strength of God. You know what happens when you get in the presence of God like that? When you're in the presence of God. See, David believed not only... he, he, He believed in a loving and merciful God. And when you get in the presence of God like that... The Holy Spirit comes to you and says, yes, you've blown it, but you're loved. And nothing can separate you from the love of God. That David knew he was loved by God, and he loved God, and he knew God was merciful, because he wrote, your mercy endures forever. So he knew, he knew even though he'd blown it, God was going to give him a second chance, that God wouldn't abandon him. And then when you're in that, the, the, the secret place, the place of getting strengthened with God, just you and God in the, in the secret place, God then starts to recall to you the things that are the deliverances He's done for you in the past, the places you've been and the miracle He's done. And suddenly, suddenly, the weak are able to say, I'm strong. Let the weak say, I'm strong. It's not human strength. It's the strength that comes from drawing aside and getting into the presence of God. And allowing him to refresh your spirit, allowing him to remind you of your love and the mercy of God, allowing you to remind you of your history with God, and so David got into that place, and uh, and he was strengthened. And then then it says that David then inquired of the Lord, and and this is what you've got to do when 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 you're in that place, you go you go to God, you feel weak, you. It's the worst day of your life. Then you ask of God because we have a God who answers prayer. But you have to get into that place and inquire of God expecting an answer. Expect an answer from God when you pray. The difference between kingdom people and religious people, religious people pray without expecting God to answer. But you've got to believe we have a God who speaks. And when you get your word, that's all you need. And so he went in there and he prayed to God, inquired of the Lord. You know, it says that he got out the, 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 what's it called? the Yeah, and that probably means they had the, the ephod, but was it the thorum and the uram that thing. But we don't have that anymore. We have the word of God. So he got into the word of God, believing God was going to answer him, seeking a a, a word. And see, when God did answer him, God said, pursue them, you will overtake them, and you'll recover all. God spoke to him. When he was was believing for an answer, God said to him, I want you to pursue them, and you will overtake them, and you'll recover all. And see... What you've got to understand, how God answers, there's there's two aspects to the Word. There's the Logos, which is the written Word of God we have in the Bible. It's from Genesis to Revelation. And then there is the rema Word of God. And the rema Word of God is when the Holy Spirit quickens a word to you right now, at the right time, in the right place. It is a specific, specific. Spoken word to you. It is a now time. It's the right word for the right time. It's the God speaking to you now about your present circumstances and it's from heaven. And once David got his word, I want to tell you, once David got his word, that's pretty much all he needs. Because when you're in a bad place, when you're having the worst day of your life, a word from heaven changes everything. All you need is a word. And so David gets his word. i tell you why it changes everything. Because when you get that word, a fire comes into your spirit. When the word of God comes, it's like a fire comes into your spirit. Even though you've lost everything, the circumstance hasn't changed. But when you get that word, he's, he's standing there. He's lost everything. His family's gone. He's, his possessions has gone. His house is gone. Everything. Everything's in flames. But when he gets his word, I tell you what he got with that word. With that word, the Rima word of God, when God speaks to you, it comes loaded with a vision of victory. Even though everything looks hopeless in the world, God's word always comes with a vision of victory. Sometimes your word could just simply be, you know, you've lost everything God might say, forgive somebody that you've been holding offense to. But you'll know when you get that word, even though it may be hard to your flesh, you'll know if I do that, there's victory in it. So David, he receives his word. And, you know, there's a. God's like that. I'm just thinking of a time where uh, Abraham had had a similar experience. He'd walked with with his nephew called Lot, and he'd he'd made Lot into everything Lot was. Lot became wealthy on the back of Abraham's calling. And and grace was on Abraham's life. And this, this young Lot, this young nephew, at some stage... You know, he said, that we, 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 I'm becoming too big. You know, we need to separate because your, your herdsmen are uh, quarreling with my herdsmen. And, and, and Abraham said to him, well, you know, if you want to separate, that's up to you. It wasn't the will of God. But he said, if you do, well, you know, you, you pick some land and go that way and I'll, I'll go my way. And Lot should have picked or said to Abraham, no, you pick. I'll take the leftovers. But Lot looked up and he picked the best bit of land for himself. And I, I just know this was like a, it's like a crushing moment. This is like a blow to Abraham. Like the people you've made and led do the wrong thing by you. And so he's at a really low point here. lot separates from him. And how does God minister to him? He takes Abraham outside and says, lift up your head. Look at the stars. There's his rema word. There was no Bible for Abraham. He says, here's your word. Look at the stars. I'm going to make you more numerous. I'm going to make you like a nation. I'm going to give you all this. Because whenever you get that Rima word, it brings vision. Look, Abraham. Look and see. That vision lifted him out of any despondency he had with Lot. That's what a Rema word does. It comes with vision and victory. But see, when you get your word, when God gives you your word, the word that will bring recovery, the Bible of James says you've got to be, the book of Abraham says you've got to be a doer of the word, not just a hearer of the word. So God gives him a promise. He says, you shall pursue, you shall overtake and recover all. That's God's promise to him. You're going to overtake these enemy who've stolen everything. You're going to overtake them and recover all. But whenever God gives you a promise, there's also a command. He says, you have to pursue them. It's not just going to come by doing nothing. It's not just come by, just by sitting there. He says, I want you to take some action. I want you to do the word. And as you obey the command, I will do my bit. So he had to pursue. And God said, when you do that, you shall Overtake them, and you shall recover all. And it's like, it's like, where had they gone? Which way had the enemy? He had no idea which way the enemy had taken everything. But I want to tell you, when you just start obeying God, doing what he calls you to do, things fall into place. God makes things fall into place for those who do the word. So he got, he got his command. He just said, you pursue. So he started to pursue. Didn't know left, right... Whatever. And suddenly he runs into this Egyptian. We call that a coincidence. But there's no coincidences in God. There's no coincidences. He just obeyed his word. And he found this Egyptian. And you know, here's a side thing. David's a kingdom man. And he recovered all. One of the reasons was, on the way to recovery, he kind of was an unexpectedly kind to this Egyptian who'd fallen down in sickness. Never underestimate the power of simple kindness to those who have fallen. Act of kindness to those who have fallen. So he starts to just pursue the enemy. And you know when you're when you're obeying your word, when you're you've got your rema word of God, and you're doing it, you're doing it. You know uh, it wasn't easy for David because it says he came to uh, the brook Besor, and see that was now in flood, so there was a really hard obstacle. And he didn't just say, "Well, it's too hard to keep obeying God's word." He had to obey that word even though there was an obstacle. And the obstacle was such that he had 600 men that went with him at the start. But when they saw the obstacle, 200 said, it's too much for us. So he lost a good portion of his army. And and, and, you know, it's it's not going to be when you start obeying God. It's not going to be all beer and Skittles. It's not going to be all ease. But, He continued to follow God, even when he was reduced in numbers, even when he came to obstacles. You know, you do never underestimate just the power of keep moving with your Rema word. Whatever God's word is to you, whatever God says to you, just you just keep doing it the best you can. You just keep doing it the best God will never fail you. There's gonna be over there there are always obstacles. But God says, he says, if you, if, if you just move with me, he said, I'll overcome every obstacle. I'll make you get to the other side. I'll make you victorious. So he received his word. And, um, you know, then David is following, found this Egyptian. The Egyptian says, I can take them to where, where, they, where they are, this fallen Egyptian. So the Egyptian leads them to the Amalekites who have taken all David's stuff. And... There comes a time where David's looking up there and he's, he's looking down at th- what the enemy... Th- this is the enemy. He sees the enemy. These people who have taken his wife. He probably sees his wife dancing with the Amalekites because they're drunk and having a party. He probably sees his kids down there. He probably sees uh, all these goods. And he, then he sees... He can see the enemy who's taken everything. And see, there, there comes a time. There comes a time where God will... He'll give you your word... And you obey the word, but who is who is whatever you've lost, even if it's through a person or circumstances, Satan is the one who steals, kills, and destroys. Who's behind your loss? And there'll come a time. There will come a time where the Holy Spirit will quicken to you. What the enemy has done, he'll give you insight into what Satan has done, and you need to engage the enemy. David stood there. He saw what the enemy was doing, and he he went into battle with them. Now we don't battle with flesh and blood we don't battle our weapons are not carnal the bible says but they're mighty for pulling down strongholds and so he when he had revelation when he saw what the enemy is doing he wasn't passive but he engaged the enemy and we engage the enemy by declaring the word of God is against the enemy. We, declare, we engage the enemy with our faith. We engage the enemy with the word of God and declare that God's word is the final word. We declare over to the enemy, no weapon formed against me will prosper. We start declaring the word of God. We engage the, the enemy. And when, we, when David engaged the enemy, it wasn't a quick battle. Some of the spiritual battles you go through, he fought him. From 24 hours, you fought him from sunset to sunset the next day. Some people, they, they, they just don't know that the greatest reality is the spiritual realm. It's the spiritual realm. And that 90% of our problems are not people problems, they're spiritual problems. We fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, demons. And there comes a time when, when what you've been lost, Holy Spirit will show you, this is what the devil has done. This is what the devil's trying to do. And David couldn't just stand on the hill and say, well, I see what the devil's doing. He had to engage the devil. He had to engage the enemy. This is why we're praying. This is why we have Wednesday night. In Wednesday night, we don't come in here for bedtime prayers. We come here to praise God because praise is a weapon. And we come to make prophetic declarations that that everything that has been stolen shall be returned. We we make declarations that the weapons that are formed against you will not prosper. Because those words, when they're spoken in the spirit, become weapons in the spirit. So he engaged the enemy. And you know, uh, recovered all. It's amazing. He wept. He refused to get bitter. He went to God for strength. He got his word. He stayed with his word. Engaged the enemy when the Holy Spirit showed him. And he recovered everything you just think about this everything all his wife, all his kids, all his money, all his uh all his um his property everything came back all the animals and not only did he recover everything this is what you've got to get in your spirit is that the Bible says we are not conquerors we are more than conquerors if you will engage the enemy this is God's plan that you don't just come back with what was stolen David came back with what was called David's spoil. That's extra. We are more than conquerors through Christ. So he came back. He came back, not only recovering all. And this is God's plan for you. This is God's plan that all human loss is recoverable. You know, David's spoil, you know, he never had that. But God gave it to him out of his great love. He never had that before the battle. But there are are things that you gain out of spiritual warfare that you can only get out of spiritual warfare. That's David's spoil. And you know, when he came back, he had money to bless other people with. But also, you know, the people that were trying to stone him. All those people that were trying to stone him. When he came back, they knew David was the better man. David was the holy man. David was the true leader. This is part of the spoil. This is part of what what, what God will do when we don't just lay down in defeat, but we know and believe that what Satan has stolen, God, in his great love, wants to restore to us. It is a gospel of recoverability. I always am amazed how many in how many scriptures people who lose things, when they actually set their hearts to just go God's way, they they not only recover, but they recover with more than they had when they lost. You look at the book of Ruth. She lost her husband. She ended up with a better husband. She ended up with a husband who was, you know, in the genealogy of King Jesus. Because there is a gospel of recoverability that God wants us to know about. You know, I I think in a lot of ways, David is like Jesus. You know, and we're like David's men. But David's like Jesus. We're like the weary Egyptian that was left behind. But David's like Jesus. We're like Saul's, we're like the, the men who were grumbling sometimes, but David is like Jesus. You know, we're like the... (laughs) We're even like David's spoil. But David is like Jesus. And Jesus never loses battles. Never loses battles. Jesus came. That everybody who had been taken captive by the enemy may be recovered. That's why he came. Because Jesus is like David. But you know, I I always sort of think this passage is an encouragement for the mission that I'm about to go on. Because when you look at the life of David, David is promised a kingdom. But he hasn't yet come into the kingdom. He's in the cave of Adulam, which is it's not the kingdom. So what does he do when he's in the cave of Adulam? He raises up mighty men and he goes raiding. He goes raiding. And in this time he raids to free people who'd been taken captive by the enemy. That's what the mission to the waterfront was the other day. People that have been taken captive by the enemy, Satan, who are not in God's kingdom. We go down there, not to do an event, we go down there to set the captive free, to bring them into the kingdom of heaven, to liberate them. When I go to, when I go to, uh, to uh, the refugee camp in Uganda, we're going to raid. There are, just think about this. There are people in that refugee camp who've been taken by Satan. But with the word of God, we go To liberate them. And me and my team are like David. But some of us, like the people in uh, this passage, you know, some started to go with David, but they couldn't. They couldn't go all the way with him. And some of you would like to come on some of these mission trips, but you can't. Either it's not your time or you don't have the money. But what happens, those in this passage, if you read it later, those that didn't go received the same reward of those that did go. David's spoiled. So some of us can go, but some of us can't. But those that can't, what you, what you can do? Some of you can pray. You know they were minding the kit bags of David, but I'm sure they were praying when David went into the battle. And other people can pay for David to go to battle. And that's what we have here in a church. When someone goes out on mission, some people can't go, but they stay and they pray. Some people give money, but when the, when the victory is won, the spoil is all shared. Last thing David did, he said to my brethren, my brethren in verse 23, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us. David, he knew every victory the Lord gives. The Lord gives every victory. We obey, but the Lord gives a victory. So I I may be people here today who, um, you know, you have got out of the will of God. You may be going to church, but you know you're not in the will of God. Uh, Maybe some people here who've got into a place where they're kind of like David. They go... They're, they're a Christian, but they're with the Philistines. That means you've got a foot in both camps. David was a Hebrew, but he was with the Philistines. So you're, you're, you're a confessing Christian, but you're really living a very carnal life and you use Christian language, but you're deceived and you're as compromised as anybody else. Well, that's the play. If that's where you're at, you're at Ziklag. You're at Ziklag. And David, uh, God wants to come. And he wants to bring you out of that place and bring you back to himself and deliver you from that state of compromise and worldliness. And if you come back to him, if you come back to him like David did, David was definitely out of the will of God. But at Ziklag, when he faced his consequences, he came back to God. And when you come back to God fully, you turn back to God fully, As soon as you do that, God starts to bring back the things that you've lost. God starts to restore the things that you've lost. This is why the prodigal son exists. The parable of the prodigal son exists. As soon as he turned back to God, as soon as he got out of that place of compromise, the first thing God did is start to restore his life. Put a ring and a robe on him and bring you back into the community. Because God's love and his mercy is so great. Is so great. Has the devil stolen something from you? You know, the, the prodigal didn't have to figure out how to restore his own life. All he had to do was to return to God and God did the restoring. All David had to do is fully come back to God at Ziklag. And he recovered everything. God made sure he recovered everything. That's all you've got to do. Make sure you've really turned your heart fully back to God. You're living in a place where you're not living in compromise. You're sold out. You're completely surrendered. You say, God, whatever your will is my will. That closes the door whatever the enemy is trying to take from you and it brings back the power of recoverability upon your life you believe it i just know there's going to be testimonies things that things that satan was able to take from you because of your own compromise god wants to restore God wants to restore. He is a restorer. He wants you to recover. But you've got to be full on. Can't be half in, half out. Can't be a Christian living in the land of the Philistines. He's calling some people back to himself today. Calling backsliders back to himself. Calling people out of that place of compromise. Where you lay it down and say, God, I'm going to trust you with everything. I want to tell you, you'll be amazed what comes back. Father God, I thank you that you're so merciful and you're so loving. Nothing can take us out of that love, Lord. You're not like a man. But Lord, you chasten your, your children, you discipline those you love so that we will turn back to you. Father, there may be people here today who are living in a hard place, but that place is simply the consequence of compromise. Father, I'm asking this morning, you'll convict us if we are at Ziklag, a place of compromise. And, Father, that you will remind us that your plans for us are never forgotten. That your mercy and your love endures forever. And that as we turn back to you, with all of our hearts, the very moment that happens, Lord, you start to restore us. You start to bring back what we've lost, the joy, and the peace, the blessing that we've forfeited. Anyone that's in that place today, Father God, help them. Help them. Strengthen them that they may experience the joy of recoverability. In Jesus' name. When you stand up, when you stand up to praise God today, just say, God, I fully surrender and expect things to come back. David expected things to come back. Expect God to give you a word. But expect, expect things that you've lost to be restored to your life because that's who Jesus is.